What gets you revved up? Maybe it's heading toward that next adventure, driving farther and exploring more. Or maybe it's just spending less time worrying and more time doing. Whatever it is, Sitco is here to help with top-tier tri-clean gasoline. With continuous use, it helps keep engine parts clean for a smooth ride and maximizes your mileage to get more life out of every tank. Now that's gas you can feel good about. Go rev up with tri-clean gasoline at your locally owned Sitco station today. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Sabra Robinson as part of National Minority Mental Health uh, Awareness Month. I welcome you to our first, very first friendly fire podcast conference. Good afternoon. I'm Sabra Robinson. I'm the host and founder of of Black Women Widows Empowered, an organization created for the Black woman widow in mind. So we provide awareness, encouragement, podcast shows, online support groups, special events, and meetups to help empower the Black widowed woman back to wholeness. So to my speakers, you have been specifically selected to be a part of this very important event, and I thank you, my listeners. I thank you so much for calling in. You didn't have to, but you did. Um, Greetings to you, and I hope that you are well-rested for this power-packed lineup of ladies and gentlemen. Um, You know, I just want to tell you a quick story. Yesterday, I was encouraged. uh, A widow contacted me from the website and shared with me that her husband had had passed away um, and that she's lonely and she's fearful to, to really go outside. So she shared that her medical doctor, yes, her healthcare doctor, referred her to Black Black Widow Women Empowered. And so this podcast is dedicated to her, Miss P. And I pray pray that you get what you need and that you reach for the stars, but you must first take that first step outside the box to see the light and look up and not look down at your feet because looking down will give you the potential of talking yourself out of what you could be. So, Mrs. P, this is for you. And I don't want to prolong this intro, um, but I'm super excited. Again, like I said, this is our very first conference and a virtual one at that. So get your listen on as we jump into the event. Uh, Friendly Fire Widows Empowerment Podcast. All right. All right. Everyone on the call, you doing well? Maureen Bobo, are you on the call? Yes, I am, Sabra. How are you? How are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing fabulous. Awesome, awesome. And I know the last time we spoke was um, a similar podcast for our book. So let me go ahead and provide a brief intro for Maureen. Um, she is up next, and she will, be discuss- she will be discussing as part of her segment, Self-Care and Mental Health. So Maureen is the co-director of Hope for Widows Foundation. She's the co-author of three books, The Unwelcome Committee, a story of three young widows with children and their navigation through the process of grief. And Maureen is the, the uh, contributor also to Grief Diaries, Poetry, Prose, and More. She's also a contributor to Widowed But Not Wounded, uh, The Hustle and Flow of 13 Resi- Resilient Black Widowed Women. The stories uh, represented give credibility to the challenges the Black widow women face during societal 
and cultural expectations placed on them. So um, other books you also have been a part of. So I just want to go ahead and give the floor to you. Um, this is your segment. Um, actually, it's 105. I'm starting right on time. So if you could go ahead and provide, um, you know, your empowerment to the widows here and to everyone listening, I pass it over to you. Okay, awesome. I just want to say um, thank you so much, Sabra, for this opportunity and everyone out there listening to this Widow's Empowerment um, first of many segment. And um, I appreciate and I'm honored and humbled to uh, speak with you. Uh, my segment is about self-care through grief and mental health, so needed in our community. Uh, when I say community, I mean the widow community. And and I'll even go a step further to say the Black Widow community. Uh, one of some of the reasons are because the most traumatic, and you already know this, but the most traumatic thing has happened to you, and you realize that, but everyone else doesn't. So what usually happens is uh, you may feel a devalue in your life because you have gone from a wife to a widow, and the world kind of make you go down to the basement and make you feel that way. My message is that your work is still the same whether you're a wife or a widow, and so you can't let the world define what you are. Um, I define myself, and I encourage people to define themselves from what God says you are, so you have to get into the Word of God to just appreciate that. Um, some things that happen in your self-care, you may have children and you have to meet their needs after the loss. Um, a brief story on me is that my children were ages eight years and two months old when my husband passed away um, eight years ago from chronic heart disease. And so um, I had to attend to them and then I got left off the table. Uh, after the funeral, everyone went home, and I'm still having to pick up the pieces of my life. And I know you guys can understand that. With and loss, when you have these tragedies and trauma, they magnify any issues that you may have. So if you have emotional, self-esteem, relational, financial, anything going on in your life, it's going to be magnified through grief and loss. And then you are important, and you have worth and value. And like I said earlier, do not let uh, the world devalue you. And so what I wanted to do is some, that's why your self-care is important. Some self-care things that you can do, and then I think at the end of the uh, empowerment, there's, it's open for questions. Um, spend time in nature. Research says that people who spend time in nature have more uh, ability to uh, strive for joy and happiness because you look at the bigness of what's out there and God's creation, and so um, that can boost spirits. Uh, start writing a journal. Journaling, for me, has been very cathargic. Like Sabra said, I've been a, a contributor uh, to th really four books. The last one came out in uh, May, You Are Unstoppable, uh, Going From yeah. Past to Purple. Congratulations. And so it's four, and thank you, and looking for a fifth one. Ooh. Writing down gets it out, which you can't get out maybe uh, verbally, you can put down on paper. There are people who have journaled for years and they look back on how far they've come. Uh, get along music. Music has been cathartic to me. I love CeCe Winans and she, uh, she had a, she had a CD out when the year my husband died in 2010 that just spoke to my spirit. Uh, emotional healing. You can find her on you. You can find that CD on YouTube. Uh, okay. But it's just, that was for me. So I was, 
I look to people to look for what kind of music touches your spirit. Uh, consider an exercise routine. A story about me is that he died in 2010. In 2011, I started going to the Y to look because I had a, just had a baby because she was only two months old. So I was trying to still lose the baby weight, and plus I was older and having a baby, so it was even harder. And so I started working out. <laughs> in fact, I had a workout this morning, and I'm still oh, on that path. A lot of things have happened from that. Um, let me see. Nurture humor in your life. It's hard to smile after the trauma. It's hard to feel any kind of joy. It's hard to believe that you'll ever be happy again. But I'm here to say eight years later that it can happen. I have found some resources, some humor resources on um, Facebook, Instagram type places. I don't know if people have heard of the Christie show. She does. It's clean comedy. You look up yeah. clean comedy. She does the Merce Miss Shirlene videos. People may have heard yes. of. Yes, not, I have. Not called not Carlton Banks. He does, and it's a guy called Kev on stage. He's hilarious. Okay. He okay. Food a lot. And he does a bit where this lady puts blueberries and mac and cheese, <laughs> and he just goes off on her. So it's oh really, my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yes, it's really funny. Um, okay. And so humor. When you get to that point, connect to your spirituality. And, and I don't know if I said, I'm a Christian, so I follow Jesus Christ. And so it has been like the number one factor in my healing process. Uh, the wound has healed, but the scars remain. But the, my relationship with Jesus has grown. And so I just believe that because of that is why I have been able to uh, be where I am today. And right now, purpose. I'm executive director of Hopeful Widows Foundation for a book this on the way. And so I really, one of my purposes is to serve grieving people, namely widows. Um, let me see. Some of the, I may, I always over-prepare instead of under-prepare. <laughs> so it's always good to do that. Keep me on point with the time is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I got a lot you, you have about nine minutes. Oh, okay. I'm good. Okay, good. I'll slow down. Um, let me see where I'm, okay. Connect with your spirituality. Get into scripture. Um, I had spoke earlier about uh, the value that you have, and sometimes, a lot of times, the world makes us uh, think that we are devalued or less worth because we went from a wife mm -hmm. to a widow. Your status mm -hmm. remains the same. Jesus views you the same. Your worth and value never went down. I had to, I'm only saying that because I had to get to that because in the beginning, I felt because I'm one, I don't know if some people may have this, but I had uh, low self-esteem prior to him passing. And so him mm -hmm. passing made it worse. And mm -hmm. so I had to, God had to get me to the point of I'm worthy, I'm valuable. Get this, everybody. You may not know this, but God mentions widows in the Bible over 70 times. Okay, mm -hmm. I looked it up over 70 times and wives yeah. are very important and they are mentioned, but they're not mentioned 70 times. He values, there's a lot of widow and orphan types of um, mm -hmm. verses in there. So he, they hold a special place. Um, and I felt that from him over my, um, what they call widow's walk, uh, over the last eight years. And yeah. so I encourage people to pick up that word, get in the scripture, get around loving people. And so that's part of your self-care. Um, and do they have a question-answer 
during our presentation, or I'm not sure. Or well, if, you if, know, if anyone wanted to ask me questions, I'm it's, just talking. Yeah, it's one twelve. You you have time. You know, if there's anyone from the listen listening audience that wants to uh, ask a question, uh, sure, they can go ahead and ask a question at this time. And I would encourage, I still have things here, but if anyone has anything, I'm open to, you know. Some of the other things was uh, help someone else. This is what I found has been helping me, like I said, my purpose um, with Hopeful Widows and just being out there in my community helping others because uh, what they it's a scripture, I don't know the exact verse, but he or she who waters is watered. And so uh, my children and I just got back from a missionary trip to Belize where we ministered to people there. People came to Christ, and um, they praised, danced, I spoke. It was awesome. We felt such adrenaline and joy from that. We're, you know, we're just thinking about how can we go back? <laughs> we were, everybody from yeah. the mission team like, oh, we want to go back. Um, healthy Eating, healthy eating, exercise routine, I kind of talked about that because you are worthy and valuable. You want to take care of your temple. Uh, positive affirmations. I am worthy. I am lovable. I can do this. Whatever, uh, one of my, I just keep it real. One of mine is I am smoking hot. And so you got to really take it to heart, <laughs> you know, create yeah. space. Out of the tongue comes, well, not out of the tongue. Let me get it right. Out of the mouth comes, get me right. <laughs> okay. The, the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. In the tongue. Trying to say. Yes, yes. Positive. Share your story like I do uh, mm -hmm. in these different books and with people. Uh, detox negative, negative thinking, negative people, negative situations, because sometimes um, a lot is going on, and then there may be people and thoughts that we have are just not conducive to our, our healing and our self-care, if you're thinking that you can't do this or you're this or you're that, um, you can. So what you think or what you don't think about yourself, you're right. So what's going on in your head is so important. That's a segue into uh, connecting with people who can validate, who understand. That uh, Sabre talked about Black Widow uh, Women in Power. They have... Uh, Meetups, they have groups, they have this going on that can connect you to other people who can validate your pain. Because everybody yeah. in your life does not understand what you're going through, but other right. widows do or other grieving people. Um, mm -hmm. And then, uh, as far as if you find that you're really struggling and functioning and it's a problem, uh, I encourage people to reach out to a grief agency, reach out to a, a certified licensed. Uh, therapist um, or social worker for the mere fact that that person can sit down with you one-on-one, -on -one, usually on a weekly basis, and analyze some things that are going on in your life and uh, give you tools and help you skill build in the area of what's going on in your emotions and mentality. And you awesome. may need that because you've been through so much and it's like the trauma of that can has, and I know with me, caused you to think differently about life because mm -hmm. your world is knocked off your axis. You saw a yeah. person with me in the morning, and then right. by that evening, he, well, mid-morning, he was passed away. That did something to me mentally, okay? Mm -hmm. It's like life, <laughs> life mm -hmm. is just so fragile, and it just 
hurt me to my core. So, um, and then grief groups. I recommend grief yeah. groups for the mere fact that that connection. And so if anyone had any questions or any comments or feedback, I'm open, and I just love doing this. So I appreciate being here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions for Maureen Bobo? Um, and again, hi. for the listeners, hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I mean, two things that um, talked about that, it's not a question, it's just sort of um, what I kind of rally behind in my situation was just just appreciating nature and, you know, how small things are beautiful. And it just made me think about, you know, my time, you know, with, with my wife and how beautiful it was and how it just continued. So I, I just remember just having to sit out in my backyard and just, you know, listening to the birds, looking at the flowers and just appreciating, you know, um, the beauty in life. Thank you. Um, we have a widower. You're a widower, I assume. Yes, yes, I'm a widower. How long have you been a widower? This is Andre. Hi, Andre. How are you? Thank you for joining. Oh, yeah, thank you're you. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. Thank you um, for joining. Thank you for calling in. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. Um, and the, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, just, just um, reconnecting with my physical health, you know, and yeah. it just sort of boosted me with energy and because, you know, when, when you, you're just not motivated when it happens, you're just not motivated to do anything. You just want to, you know, shut the world down, you know, and yeah. by, you know, at least bike riding for me, allow me to ride and think and be free and feel good about myself all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone's speaking, I hear a little bit of background noise. If you're not speaking, um, can you put your phone on mute? That would be greatly appreciated. You know how these podcasts go when you call in. Um, And what we'll do right now is 119. And I wanted to have Maureen kind of, uh, set the pace and just kind of talk about, I know she had to um, drop off, so I wanted her to go first, but um, moving on, we do have uh, another speaker. Um, Mario Armstrong, are you on the call? I think I, I, I saw you call in. Yes, I did. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Um I would like to introduce Maureen, I'm sorry, uh, Mario Armstrong. Uh, he is, I'll tell you, he's our very special guest, and I'm very excited. I've been following him for a couple of months, and I tell you, I've learned so much from his virtual mentorship, his determination, and if you don't know about him by now, because I've just been having him all on social media, please get to know him. Um, his hype alone will empower you. So uh, please welcome to the virtual table, Mario Armstrong. I'm going to give a brief introduction. Um, Mario is a two-time Emmy Award winner. Uh, he's an NBC Today Show personality. He's a creator and host of the Never Settle Show, which is a live stream, interactive weekly talk show with a live audience, a live studio audience in Times Square, New York. Oh, how cool. And it provides viewers with advice and tools to help them never settle. 
pursue their passion and dreams and motivate them to take action. So actually, Never Settle, the Never, Never Settle platform is a movement um, through the everyday challenges they face and teaches viewers not to let their fear and circumstances stand in their way. And he's also appeared on, um, he's also appeared as a digital lifestyle expert uh, on CNN and HLN. So, Mario, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. It's really a pleasure to be here. And um, it takes a lot of work to put these types of gatherings together and these types of podcasts together. And you have an amazing lineup of just some impressive people. In fact, just listening to your first guest was, was super empowering because, you know, one of the things that I was going to share was that it's so important that when we get advice from other people, that we are getting advice from someone who has been through similar consequences or has a stake in your outcomes. So a lot of times we look for validation or we look for advice or we look for information from others, and we might be actually seeking an answer in advance, hoping to hear something that we want to hear. And what we need to make make sure that we're doing is just maybe think of this, because I was like, wow, listening to her with her perspective and some of the things she's saying, it really jumped me down to my third point, which is whenever we're out here getting advice, because when you're dealing with a tough loss, when you're dealing with trauma, when you're dealing with trying to figure out how to manage your life, how to adjust with your children, how to be able to um, um, do the things that you would like to do to contribute, to really put your imprint, your legacy, your, your passion and serve at your greatest levels. When you're trying to do that, you're going to want to seek some mentorship. You're going to want to seek some advice. You're going to want to seek some honesty and and trust and the ability to help you go down your path. And so I just want to say, um, I'm not a widow. So I want to be clear with that because I can't speak to you from that perspective. You have many other people that are on this call that will be able to speak exactly from that perspective. So I, I would say while you are taking advice from someone like me, that's from the outside, always be, um, always understand the intent of the person that's bringing you the advice because intentionality is key. So my intention with a few of the tips that I would like to share with you today is from the outside looking in, obviously I was there when my aunt lost her, her husband, my uncle of um, 22 years of marriage and being a very tight knit family. I only, my dad only had two brothers one had passed away. And so he had only one other brother left that was married and it was a very traumatic experience because he was, this man was a figure in the Baltimore, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. He was a figure in the Baltimore scene. He ran the Convention and Visitors Bureau for Baltimore City. So he was a well-known and popular person. And watching and, and, and being there for my aunt. And, you know, I remember times when she would be at her office and I would walk into her office and she would still have pictures of Uncle Carol on her desk. And I remember somebody saying to me, I hope, I wonder if she's going to be able to move on. And I said, hold on a second. (laughs) 
I said, hold on, I, I understand what you mean. Your intent is that you would like, you would like to hope that she's going to be okay because what you see is maybe her holding on to something that's physically not there anymore. I said, I understand your intent. I said, but the process for how one grieves and the process for how one goes through their path is their journey. I said, so when, you, when we think about projecting, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because sometimes other people are projecting stuff from them onto us. Uh, and we, yeah. when, you are, when you are in this state of trauma and when you are, look, we are human beings. We are emotional. We are allowed to be emotional. We are allowed to, to, to hang on and to cry and to talk as long as we want to talk about this person or that person or this memory or that memory. Nobody else has the right to define that for you. And I just think that one of the things that we need to, that I'm hoping I can share with you, is the power of resiliency. Because yeah. the only people I know, Saber, that are successful in life, and I'm not talking business and bank accounts. I'm talking about morality and integrity and character and legacy. The only people that I know that are successful in life that are like that are the people that when they were knocked down, regardless they did it to themselves or circumstances did something to them, they got back up. And the more you get knocked down, you may not believe this when you go through this. I've had to learn this through maturity. The more I got knocked down, the faster I could get back up. So what you're actually developing is the muscle of resiliency. And when we develop the muscle of resiliency, we can really weather the storm for the longer journey. So yeah. sometimes what we need to do is identify something in our life that develops necessity to us. So for example, let me give you a quick example. So when I wake up in the morning, I go through a routine and through a process. I read my daily word, got to get my scripture in. I do my, I kiss the wife, kiss my son, <laughs> uh, do my prayers, and I do a little bit of meditation. And then I, I don't touch the phone. I go into the shower. And <clears throat> part of that process prepares me. Because when I'm building up my necessity or my, my daily movement of having impact, one thing is for certain is that I know why I'm here. And when you know why you're here, and many of you are at different points as to knowing why you're here, why hasn't been answered yet, I need you to get deeper with reassessing what your why is. Deal with, mm. I really need you to look hard in the mirror and find, get friends to help. If there are people that you trust in your circle that will tell you the real, then if you can't see the goodness and the value in yourself right now, or you think you have some skills and some expertise and some strengths, but you don't really know what they are, or you think you know a couple, ask some of your greatest friends, what, what is really good about me? What am I great at? What do, you, what do you benefit from my relationship? And when you let someone else talk about the values and character traits that you have, you get to hear who you really are. And so that reflection empowers you. So I just think that it's very important for us to have a necessity. Some of us will have a necessity of, I have to do this because I have kids to raise and they have to see me. And you're right. They have to see you keep going. 
And I know, I, I get that you, you know, you may be crying in the closet or in the bathroom. They have to see you pick up and keep going because that's your necessity. That's what you, that's not only what you're living for. You're not only yeah. living for them. You're still living for you too. You still have dreams. I tell parents this all the time. I talk to parents that tell me, oh, my dreams are done. I now focus on my kids' dreams. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Your dreams don't expire. Dreams do oh, not have good. an expiration date. You have to determine when you are going to balance your life and be honest with the fact that you love singing. I'm not telling you to leave your day job because you got bills to pay and raise your kids to go try to go get a singing career. But I am telling you, you better get down to that church and become a person of the choir and be a member of the choir. Why are you not doing that? Yeah. Because I gave up on it. No, you can still have you. So I just think it's very important that all of this kind of emanates to one final point that I'd like to make. And it really boils down to uh, clarity. Okay. The, the most important thing that I've seen over the years of studying everything from the psychology of motivation to how our brains actually work, the neuroscience of how we, are, we feed ourselves dopamine, which is a feeling that we want to repeat over and over. Um, it's something that feels good to you. Some people have turned that into addictions. Other people know how to leverage that for positive uh, internal or external uh, values. But at the end of the day, I think there are really two things, maybe three. Let me boil this down to three things. Number one, we should be aware of the stories that we're telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. Previously, we heard about the inner critic. We heard about self-sabotage and the self-talk. I'm a big believer in affirmations, but I'm also a human being. If you, when you start talking affirmations, sometimes you know daggone well you don't believe the affirmation you're telling yourself, if you're being honest. You're yeah. trying to yeah. tell yourself that affirmation, and you're trying to really meet that affirmation, but you know sometimes you are struggling to even believe that affirmation. One of the things that I do is I set up triggers. When I recognize that self-talk is becoming negative, when I recognize that I start talking about maybe I don't have enough experience, maybe I don't have the looks, maybe I don't have those skills, I don't come from that background, I don't have those resources. When I start hearing myself do that, I quickly stop and catch myself. The very first thing that I do is I reflect on a time when I was successful. And believe it or not, it's a time when I was 14. It's not a recent time. So it doesn't matter how long ago you felt in a moment in your life, you were successful, you achieved something. Yeah. If that was your high school degree, that's your high school degree. If that was, you know, whatever it may be, mine was having a game-winning shot at the end of a basketball game. That, for some reason, when I go back and visualize that moment, it reminds me of how great I really am as a person and how I can be. And then I channel that visualization and energy into that moment in the now. I also do a gratitude reflection. At that moment where I start talking negative to myself, I start saying, what am I happy for? Just shut up, Mario. What are you happy for? Oh, I'm happy yeah. that, you know, I'm here. To, I'm, my son's here and everybody's healthy and this and that. But you start to immediately, you know, forget, oh, my grandmother turned 101. Like, you don't, you just start forgetting yeah. on the minuscule stuff. So I think, one, be aware of the stories that we're telling ourselves and then put some systems and triggers in place to catch it so that you don't go down that negative spiral, which can turn us into a heavier depression. So have the triggers in place as one. Number two, um, 
reflection practice. Every Sunday, our family goes around the table and we talk about the three things that we felt were a win for that week. And it doesn't matter how small. One time my kid said, I had a good lunch. His day was horrible, but he had a good lunch. So (laughs) he said, I had a good lunch. So when we go around the table every Sunday and we ask each other, okay, what were your three wins this week? No matter how small or how big, it reminds you what you did get accomplished. Human beings, if you take one thing away from me, you all are so precious. You have such strong gifts and talents. Don't let the options define your objectives. What you see out there is not all that's possible. You can create your own pathway. In fact, you should. And what you should do is embrace your uniqueness. It will have you stand out and embrace your transparency. The sooner you are comfortable sharing your story, the faster you are going to be able to have a bigger legacy to help others. So whatever your impact is, whatever your service is, whatever your passion is, it's important that you have clarity, that you be aware of the stories that you tell yourselves and fight that self-sabotage, and that you do a reflection practice every week to remind you of what you are great at and to give you the momentum to start the next week. Because at the end of the day, when you don't create that momentum and you become stagnant, that's when you really find yourself being lost. And when people lose their way, it's because they've lost their why. So Mm. make sure you're always clear on what do I want to accomplish? Where do I want to go? So often, and so many of you, especially my women, especially my sisters and my women, you are, no offense to the guys, because I know we got some guys listening, but no offense, but women are the most incredible human beings on this planet. I have never seen in my life a stronger person than a, than a female, especially a black female. The ability for you to be able to hold your home together, take care of that family, be able to be there for your loved one and for your partner, and still be able to go out into the world and deal with what you have to deal with from everything from, from sexism to misogyny to not getting paid what your worth is on the dollar against a man is mm. absolutely in, in something that I am in awe, uh, inspired by. And you should not underestimate what I'm saying. You have more power. I can't deliver a baby. I can't do that. There is a reason why, and I'm not just talking about physical. Y'all know I'm talking about that inner strength. Yo, you all have so much inner strength and ability that if you know that you aren't doing what you were supposed to be doing on this earth right now, that does not mean it's over. Failure is not final. That's Failure right. is only the lesson to give us the resiliency to get back up so that we can teach that lesson as we move forward. So I, I don't want to keep going. Um, I, do, I did want to make sure that I hit a couple of those points and hopefully share some, some actual actionable things that you can take away from and do. And I just will leave you with this one story. When I was sitting in the parking lot at a Starbucks, because we were flat broke from 2010 to 2013, we were completely out of money. I asked my wife to leave her job to come and run our business which was supposed to take off because we had a major contract with AOL that was going to happen. The contract did not come through. It was $247,000 contract, mind you. 
and this was in 2010. And we had been working with AOL for a year. I had gotten laid off, and I had pitched them on this idea, and they bought into this idea. So I am, I am, we're literally driving on I-95, headed to Dulles, Virginia, where AOL's headquarters is, and we get the phone call that the deal is not happening. The deal isn't happening because a new CEO came in town and they decided not to green, green light any other contracts. And at that moment, I had to pull over on the side of the road and I said, Nicole, the deal's dead. And she's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, they, we can't, they're not doing this. And she said, wait, I just left my job, our six-figure income, da-da-da-da, I did all of this. And I said, I know, I know. I said, honey, we're, we're going to be all right. We're either entrepreneurs or we're not. I mean, I cried first, I cried, but I had to kind of like, you know, man up real quick, not man up in that way, because I don't like the words man up, but just like show some strength, because I didn't, yeah. want, I wanted to show humanness to me, but I also wanted to show backbone, like we're going to be all right. She needed me to, she wanted to see that I was saying we were going to be all right. So we're driving back, months go by, we're now cra- dealing with our savings, we're going through the 401k, credit cards are getting maxed, because now it's two years later, and we're trying to raise our five-year-old son at the time, but we are clear on the dream that we're trying to accomplish. If you do not take one thing away from me in this call, make sure that if you don't have this already, you are going to write down your personal vision and mission statement. Because once you have your personal vision and mission statement and you put that in your phone as a daily alarm so that you see it three times a day to remind you what your mission and personal vision is, you will be able to withstand anything. We went flat broke. I was grabbing chains to go to Coinstar machines to get gas money. So one day I'm sitting in the parking lot two years into this and I'm saying, what the heck have I done to my family? My marriage is now really rocky. I'm getting depressed. I can't, I can't let her see me like this. I tell her I'm, I'm going out. I need to, I'll, I'll be back. She knows I don't have any money. I thought I was going to Starbucks. She knows I don't have any money. I don't know where she thought I was going. (laughs) I'm sitting in the car just straight crying, just bawling because I feel responsible for what I, the position I put my family in. And my parents are, are trying to pay for groceries and her mom is trying to help out when she can. And all, everybody's broke. Everybody, well, I'm, we're broke. They got somebody, but we're broke. And so I'm saying all that to say that yeah. was our lowest low. Many other people go through other lows. Many of yeah. you are going through your lowest low right now. All I can say is through my experience, because we had a shared vision, and I'm talking even with our son. So share your vision with your kids. Get them involved on making a vision board with you. Let them put skin in your game so that it's our game together. And yeah. that they understand yeah. the sacrifices and the decisions you're making. So I don't want to go on any further, but I hope that was helpful and uh, yes. useful. And yes, if was. I can be of any service to all of you, you know, you can, you can send me an email. Mario Armstrong at gmail.com is my email, or you can feel free to come to my Instagram lives. I do a session every day on Instagram. Saber's yep. there. Yeah. <laughs> She's bringing her energy <laughs> in the comments. I do it every day at 9.35 a.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. Failure is not final. Thank you, Mario. I truly appreciate this. Um, you take care and, uh, you know, you be well. Thank you so much. And I'll see you. In a virtual setting, I'll see you uh, at your next virtual uh, call. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Absolutely, you know I'm here for you. Thank you for including me, and thank you for what you're doing because it's thank the you. action that you're taking that's creating reaction. We have to remember oh, that wow. we are all energy, 
and you have created from your energy, you've created something that is bigger than you. I'll leave with this. The African proverb says you can go fast alone or you can go farther together. So all of you continue to go farther together and you will accomplish great things. Thank you so much. You be well. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Take care. Take care, Mario. You too. Up next, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us uh, Dr. Beverly Wallace. Uh, Dr. Wallace, are you on the call? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Now, she will be bringing to us, uh, she will chat about mental health, and her topic is the vulnerability factor. And Dr. Wallace is currently uh, the Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care and Counseling at Shaw University Divinity School. Uh, She has authored several articles and book chapters, including Narratives of Grieving African Americans About Racism in the Lives of Deceased Family Members, A Womanist Legacy of Trauma, Grief and Loss, Reframing the Notion of the Strong Black Woman Icon, Uh, Hush No More, Constructing an African American Lutheran Womanist Ethic, and is the co-author of the book, African American Grief. And so her current research agenda includes understanding community trauma and end-of-life decisions among older African Americans. And she's also in in the process of writing her second book uh, to be entitled African American Grief Revisited. So she does consider herself a womanist and embraces the wholeness of people, both men and women. And she has a passion for healing and wholeness for God's people, physical, psychological, and spiritual healing. Welcome, Dr. Wallace. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for being our guest. Well, thank you, Sabra. I really, really appreciate this time. I am between um, projects right now, meaning um, I am at in the parking lot of hospice where I am mm. picking up my mother who yeah. um, – I thought back in December she was going to transition, but she is still alive and kicking, and so she is going home today. So I'm here, nice. and so I appreciate okay. um, um, this time, and I needed to make this time to yes. to be with you and the, and the, the speakers. Um, I only have a few minutes, but I did That's want fine. to talk about... Um, um, the idea, and this came to me last night, the idea of the vul- of a vulnerability factor, the vulnerability factor, meaning um, there are times, particularly as a widow, that we are vulnerable to all kinds of things, all kinds of, of impacts on our well-being. And um, as the first speaker talked, she mentioned a lot of those factors, but I want to make it explicit in regards to um, at least four ways that we are, at, particularly as black widows, vulnerable to um, being impacted, um, our well-being being impacted. Um, so, But before I begin, I want to um, start with something, a reading of a poem that is dear to me. It is part of the beginning of the book chapter that I wrote, um, A Black Widow's Journey Toward Living Life Anew, and your edited volume, Sabra. Um, And it's also a poem that um, was read at my husband's funeral. It's called um, She Lives by Lucille Clifton. 
after he died, what really happened is she watched the days bundle in 2000, watched every act become the history of others, every bed more narrow. But even as the eyes of lovers strained toward the milky young, she walked away from the hole in the ground, deciding to live, and she lived. I've been a widow since 2005. So that means I've been a widow for 13 years. And there have been times when I did not want to live. There were times where I wanted to just give up on life. There were times when I didn't think that um, I'll ever be happy and I would find joy in my life. Um, and I guess I'm here to tell you and speak about those those moments, those vulnerable moments where we question whether or not we want to live or not. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm calling those vulnerable, vulnerability factors, those things that get in the way of us living life to the fullest. Um, in this poem, there is a piece about um, watching others choose other people, younger people, because I'm an older widow, and watching, you know, men in particular um, choose other younger people because um, maybe they look good. <laughs> and so you feel like you're not worthy. You feel like you will never have a relationship again. And um, mm-hmm. we can get caught up in those moments, not realizing that um, as, as a, I'm a clergy person, that God has the last word. <laughs> And so um, being, just being open to the possibilities of what could happen. Yeah. If, we, if we're not careful, we will get trapped in that, that sense of um, feeling less than, feeling like we don't have a future. Um, and so that's a moment of vulnerability. Yeah. We have to really work hard in not staying there. And it's work. There yeah, it is, is work an and author, it affects Tony, our mental health, too. Yes, yes. Um, there's an author, Tony K. Bambara, who talks about or raised the question about whether or not you want to be healed or, or whether or not you want to be whole. And what she says is that wholeness and healing is no trifling thing. And so, and it takes a lot of work to be mm-hmm. whole. And so, yeah. not to get caught in that vulnerability um, trap or that factor, that trap of feeling like um, I'm not going to live. There's nothing, you know, um, positive coming our way. We've got to work hard on that. And and at the end, I'm just going to mention two ways that we can address that. So that's the first um, um, factor vulnerability factor that I've identified. The second one is what one of the speakers talked about before, being vulnerable to being defined by other people. Others Mm. want to define who we are, especially as new, particularly if you're a new widow. Others are going to say you need to do this, you need to be that, you know, whether or not you're supposed to be dating, all of that. And we in our own grief, 
listen to everyone else and they're defining who we are. We have yeah. to avoid that trap. We have to be able to to define ourselves and define ourselves anew. Um, the third one is the, um, being vulnerable to feeling like you, and I mentioned this before, feeling like you're not going to be in another relationship or you're going to be by yourself. Trying not to fall into that is it's not easy, <laughs> especially as you're getting older. And so, again, um, realizing that um, this is just one season in your life. There's going to be other seasons. And just being open to that. And then, finally, the vulnerability of, of embracing the, the icon of being a strong black woman. Mm. Okay. Um, as black women, we're always holding on to that mantra or that mantle of being a strong black woman. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. My, my question is, at what cost? At what cost? What is the cost was to being a strong black woman? Can we redefine it in our own terms where we're not taking on the responsibility and, and the, the, um, the burdens of all relationships, everything on our shoulders? Because... We've been defined, again, going back to, you know, defining oneself, we've been defined as being strong black women. And so we can't be um, vulnerable to our own or even human to and deal with our own feelings. So there's a yeah. need for us to really redefine what it means to be a strong black woman. And, you know, that's a huge topic today, too, you know, among, um, mm -hmm. in general, among among the black woman, whether you're, you know, a widow or not, that is a strong topic. What What is the cost? And that's, mm -hmm. that's, um, that's interesting you say that. What is the cost of being one? And that, that, that also so, is a in, in depth, you know, more conversation to that. So I wish we could, but, you know, I appreciate that. You yeah. bringing that up. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so how how do we do, how do we understand these vulnerability factors? Mm -hmm. Well, one is to unearth it, you know, to say it. And again, the first speaker, she, she talked about this, um, but we, it was not identified specifically as these are, these are ways that we can um, sabotage our well-being. Um, we are wonderfully made. We are women that have life even after our husbands, even after our wives have, have, got, have gone on. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that, that we're here. Yeah. And as the second speaker talked about having a mission and a purpose for life, you know, this is an opportunity for us to do that. Um, it seems scary, it feels scary, but we have to find a way to um, um, risk being vulnerable, being naked, and more specifically being naked to ourselves. Naked um, so to we ourselves, can really yeah. be, yes, to, to know who we are. Um, 
God knows who we are. <laughs> We've going to have to, um, again, find a way. And it's, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. I'm, again, I'm 13 years out. Yeah. Over and over again, um, having to struggle and not fall into those traps that's going to keep us down. Um, Absolutely. Thank as you. As one who's trained as a therapist, um, uh-huh. that's that's my final word is seek a therapist and then also seek a community of people um, that can hold your truth so that you can truly yeah. be naked, so that you can really know who you, you know, define yourself learning who you are. Um, so that you don't have to hold on to the mantra and the mantle of being a strong black woman, so that you don't feel like you're never you're never going to find the love of your life. Find a community of folks who's going to be able to hold your truth. And so with wow. that, I, I I end my presentation. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wallace. Um, I know that um, you are you know, dealing with your mother and you still have, uh, you took the time to be with us today and I truly appreciate that. I wish you well and praying for your mom, um, praying that, um, you know, she is able to overcome, uh, you know, what she is going through and she has a wonderful Mm -hmm. person to, to help her, you know, get over, um, you know, her, her troubles, trials and tribulations. So, Thank you so much. I appreciate um, your time, and you take care. Okay. You too. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Up next, we have Connie Sims-Smith. Please help me welcome Connie as our grief, quote, inspirational, if, unquote, um, for this segment. Uh, she will speak from a spiritual point of view, yet still offer empowerment tidbits for the young and older widows. So, uh, brief background about Connie: she's a widow of almost six years. She's the mother of two children, born and raised in Georgia. Uh, she now resides in Fredericksburg, Virginia. She's a uh, graduate of Columbia School of Broadcasting and a former radio personality. And she's also a flourishing business owner of Paparazzi Accessories, uh, which empowers women to build a fun financial future. So I know you all have heard of Paparazzi. So um, please, uh, let's give a warm welcome for uh, Mrs. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. Well, hi. How are you guys doing? Hi, Sabra. Hi. Uh, thank, hi. You for, thank you for this opportunity. This is my first podcast. and. Very excited. Um, I have truly enjoyed the uh, comments and the the, um, experience of these other ladies and and, and the gentlemen that came about um, and speaking on so many things that that has taught me to begin to inspire people about being a widow. It it took Mm -hmm. me a while to get there because my journey, which I call it my unfamiliar journey, took me down a path of darkness. And it took me to that path of depression. In order for me to get out of that uh, depression, I had to take upon the word of God, stand on his word. And that became, um, I say last year around about this time, it took me an opportunity to do a total lifestyle change starting in 2017. And when I did my total lifestyle change, 
I began to change myself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And during all of that process, it helped me to begin to understand my grief better. And I also lost 80-something pounds in the process because it, it took me to inspire myself and to begin to inspire people that these things can be done. Um, and at first, I never understood why, why me? You know, why did I have to be the one to go through the grief? Uh, but then I realized there were so many other women out there that was going through what I was going through that sometimes didn't understand, didn't have anybody to talk to them to say, hey, I understand what you're going through. I've been there and I know what you're going through. Because the outside person that doesn't know our grief and our pain always offer advice, but the advice they offer us is not something we need because they're not going through our journey. And uh, people will tell you, don't cry. You know, you can cry. It's okay to cry because you're hurting. Jesus wept. So we know that it's okay to cry. And so when I turned to to God, I I was alone one day, and I just began to cry out to God, I need you. I need you. You know, I I need you, God. I can't do this by myself. And I was on this journey of this path thinking that I could do this. And as I heard a couple of the ladies say, she she was true. You know, she she was spiritual, and she stood on the word of God. And I thought about it. If I could have did that at the beginning of my grief, maybe things could have looked better for me. But it wasn't that. It was in God's timing. And um, I did seek therapy. You do have to go outside and get outside therapy. It's okay. God made those people for us to use them. And when I learned what God had for me and how to begin to talk to God, and begin to, it just came about me one day, and I began to speak to a lot of different people. And never knew that I was inspiring anybody. Never knew that I was helping anyone. And I just continued to do a daily um, live broadcast on Facebook for, you know, every day. And on top of the journey of me walking and losing my weight, I began to talk about my grief, my depression, my loneliness, and all of the, the uh, as they say, the grief cycles. And uh, one of mine was depression. And that is how I gained my weight, and that is where I gained the most weight of my life, was, was eating in depression and hiding behind food. And when I learned that I can, take away, I can continue to eat, but I had to take away the bad food and put in the good food, and I started losing weight. Didn't realize that I was losing weight, and didn't realize that the weight was falling off until one day I was at work, and I had these pair of pants that I wore every day, uh, you know, because we had a uh, uniform. So not every day, but, you know, I wore them quite frequently, and they fell off. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute, my pants are, and I didn't wear a belt. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And everybody was like, you look like you're smaller, and, and people were pulling me aside. Well, Miss Connie, you're not sick, are you? No, I'm not sick. And then after I realized it, it even came more exciting to me and for me to begin to inspire more people that this can be done. And so I started having a group of followers that we just started if I came on, they was at work walking. I did my 30 minutes a day, 30 days. I would come up with something. And it just began to do something that God had put in me to, to help others and to inspire others on my grief journey, which is always say it's mine, it's my opinion, and this is what I, I did. I stood yeah. on the word of God. I had to go to, to the Bible, and I had to choose those scriptures, and I had to begin to find those words and stand on those words. Not only with grief, I stood on the word with weight loss because God has all of those things in the Bible, in those scriptures. And I asked myself when I started eating unhealthy, did I want to eat because I was hungry or was I eating because of my stress or because of my depression? Which one was it? 
And the majority of the time, it wasn't hunger. It was that depression. It, it, it was that stress. Yes. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And losing my spouse and, and having to take on all the responsibilities myself. And, and I would get caught up. And I just would sit there. Chips are my favorite. Lord knows, Lay's, you know, they, they need to give me stock because uh, I, I just thought they was the best thing God made. And I had to learn how to portion and ration out my chips. So I started, you know, doing rationing out things, modifying things. And not only when you modify things in, in eating, you can modify those things in your life. And you can yeah. look for things like when you're grieving, it's okay to cry. Don't sit back and say, oh, my husband's been dead three years, four years, five years, six years, 12. I can't cry. Yes, you can. And if you start chapter two, you can still cry because you're still missing that that chapter of your life that you didn't close. He didn't like walk away. God decided I needed to take him home with me. I needed another angel. So let me have your angel and he will watch over you as I will watch over over you. I'm your new husband now. I would let you take home the responsibilities of asking me, what can I do for you? And I will protect you. I'm going to put that hedge of protection around you and keep you. But, and, and that's what God did. And I had to, to learn it. You know, a couple of days ago, I got into my feelings. You know, I was missing my husband. My car broke. And who did I need? I needed him. But God says, yes, you do need him. But you call yeah. on me. You have not yeah. because you ask not. And, and I'm that person that have not because I ask not. Absolutely. What, what would you say to the young widow listening to, to you right now? What advice would you give her? If you're uh, you're a younger widow and and the situation, um, I would look to the situation that you're going to cry, you're going to miss him, uh, cry, miss him, and if you have that support system and you find somebody that can truly support you, find that one person that can support you, somebody that's going to listen to you and not give you that advice because you're not ready for the advice and stand on the word of God, go to to God. Find you a counselor. Find you someone that can and that can counsel you. And if you have small children, which I did it, find someone that can help your children. And also, if your children of an age, ask your children. Always ask them, "How do you feel?" Don't deprive them of of of, of um, being a part of this grief. Don't deprive yeah. them of being a part of the the loss of their their dad. You ask them because sometimes children can give you advice that you didn't know they had. Um, and you go to yeah. them and you say, hey, and if you if it's a holiday, what do you want to do for Christmas? Just don't isolate yourself. Hey, Dad, we want to do this. And if that's what they say, well, let's try this. Always, if you're younger, and, and, and don't you don't have to start Chapter 2 right away because I've heard a lot of older people that's tell the good. younger that's women, yes. to tell the younger good. women, you need to move on. You don't have to. Yeah. You grieve as long as you want to grieve. There is no time limit. There is no button to push to say time is up. Grief is over. Yes. You grieve as long thank as you want. It's about what you want. Yes. Thank you, Connie. Thank you so much for that uh, inspiration. Um, thank you once again. We're, let's see, it's 2.04. We're going to get, get going, uh, continue to yeah. move to our next um, speaker. Taya, are you on the call? I surely am. Hi, thank you for joining. Um, I appreciate you uh, being on here today. Uh, listeners, uh, Tanya will be discussing how healing can help through writing and journaling. Uh, she is a published author, blogger, speaker, workshop facilitator, advocate, and panelist. 
she was the producer and director of the Listen to Your Mother Baltimore show from 2013 through 2017. And she also served as the diversity and inclusion consultant for the entire national project. Uh, readers and clients do connect with Taya as she navigates life as an expressive, vulnerable, humorous, and audacious widowed mother to an amazing nine-year-old boy with autism. Taya, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing? And welcome back. Great for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm giving you the floor. And again, thank you so much for uh, being on this segment on the show. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, wonderful, wonderful uh, discussion so far, and I'm happy to lend my voice to things. Um, so um, based on my introduction, yeah, I'm Taya. Um, I've been widowed uh, for six years uh, since uh, June 9th of 2012. And prior to that, I had blogged casually just as a hobby. Uh, writing was sort of my thing. Uh, but I never took it to be anything quite serious or as a profession of sorts. Um, however, since the death of my husband, I've used it um, sort of to channel my own grief Grief, And in the last four years, I've begun to teach and provide workshops and help other people, um, both battered women and a couple of other nonprofits, uh, with the idea that writing, uh, either publicly or privately, can help move you forward in this grief process. Um, so just to be clear, uh, I don't... Uh, not be mistaken on any other level, um, you know, grief, grief is forever. Um, you know, yeah. when, when we lost our, our other half, um, our lives were, you know, changed in a way that we never could have imagined and never to be returned to that original thing again. However, that doesn't mean that our lives end as well. They don't have to. Um, and every speaker so far, you know, um, Mario, Beverly, everyone has given you um, and given us all tips about empowerment and faith and grief itself. And so I'm just here to offer one additional tool that could help. Um, you know, grief takes on many different forms and, you know, the phases that it goes through and the depth um, that it takes in your life based on where you are in the process. Um, you know, there's an ebb and flow to it, you know, the highs and the lows, depending on what else is going on and where, you know, you see yourself, what kind of coping mechanisms you have, those kind of things. And so what I've found is that by writing, it's allowed grief to sort of join me uh, in my daily journey without rejecting it. I, I accept it and I allow it to not destroy me. Um, my goal from a very, very, you know, early in my lost journey was a conversation I had with my father, and he said, you know, you don't understand this yet. He said, but I promise you, life will get better. And I said, Daddy, yeah. what? you're a crazy old man. <laughs> Stop it. It won't. <laughs> you know, I've, I've loved this boy since high school. We've been together 20 years. You know, I have a nonverbal three-and-a-half-year-old with autism. How can my life get better? <laughs> you know, I'm at the lowest point that I thought my life would ever be. Um, and he gave me a hug um, and a shot of Jack Daniels. <laughs> and he said... <laughs> He said, trust me on this, you know, things will get better. And, you know, he said to me, and I've written this several times since then, he said, my goal and my hope for your life is that you will learn how to thrive after this loss and not just survive. Um, and so, you know, let me say that again. After loss, it is possible to thrive and not just survive. Um, yeah. They are two very different things. And... 
survival. That's, you know, sort of animal instinct and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other every morning and washing your body because someone told you you should and getting your children meals because you're supposed to and going to work because if you don't, you won't get a paycheck. That's surviving. Um, Thriving is on a whole different level. Thriving is where you acknowledge that this thing has happened to you. You are thrust into a role and a storyline you never predicted, and you find a way to pull out the best from in yourself and from the world around you. So a few tips, um, you know, that, that, that have helped me and a few things that I've encouraged other new widows over the years to do, and I think it can help anybody, whether it's the loss of a loved one or any kind of, you know, trauma or setback from job loss to financial tragedy, et cetera. Um, it doesn't matter if you consider yourself a writer or not. That's completely inconsequential. Whether the last thing you've written is a grocery list or whether you're a published author yourself, we all have a writer in us. It simply is. You know, your story is your story, and you're the only person who can tell it. Even even a set of twins will tell you that their lives are their lives individually, and no two people have the same story. So, you know, whether you choose to, you know, write your, write your story in, you know, a private journal, whether it's a three-ring notebook, that could be index cards, you could use, you know, your phone and some kind of Evernote or Google, Google Keep or any other kind of electronic, you know, device, um, it could be a laptop, it could be anything. Just choose a medium and something that you can move forward with. Um, I like to find a quiet place or a comfortable place, whatever that place is. Again, it can be the sitting room in your bedroom. It could be the living room. It could be your front porch. It could be inside your car. It could be your local Starbucks if you'd rather be Mm -hmm. surrounded by people. Wherever your place is, find a place that will allow you for a minimum of 10 minutes a day to write something. And when I say, you know, 10 minutes a day, that's a loose, uh, obviously you can go longer, but I say 10 minutes because you need to give yourself time to breathe. Um, and so I would prepare your space. Again, your devices are charged, your pencil is sharpened, or your pen is full of ink. And what you do um, is you take a couple of deep breaths and then you just start. You know, I kept a, I kept a journal, um, a private journal that is, in the first two months after my husband died. Um, and from that two months of writing, I think I've only shared one entry, but I filled about two three-ring notebooks, three-ring spiral notebooks. And what those notebooks allowed me to do was to take the space to write raw, honest, painful, um, often um, angry, um, you know, all the kinds of emotions that swirl through your head upon becoming a widow, um, regardless if it's from, you know, a long disease or illness, if it's a sudden death from accident or medical uncertainty, whatever it is. I was able to write things about, um, you know, my husband dying without a will and how angry that made me. I was able to put 
put in place some things related to guilt and, you know, unresolved issues that we may have had. And you can write there everything under the moon. You know, I wish I had called, and this is not me personally, but I've talked to different widows, you know, who wish, you know, that they had, you know, taken that trip they wanted. They wish they had called 911 sooner. They wish they had not letting him take that car ride. They wish they had, you know, gotten him diagnosed sooner. All the different things that run through your mind. And obviously, you know, Therapy is, is a beautiful thing. I'm an advocate. Everybody's not ready for therapy immediately. And so oftentimes what writing does is it becomes a, a very basic, um, you know, form of therapy. It allows you to not go crazy because I think we all know that the same narrative in your head spun, spun, spun <laughs> like a yeah. top. It just Spinning and spinning and spinning. You can make yourself mad as an insane. But at the very least, sometimes giving voice to some of the crazy, I'd write it down and then read it and said, oh, that's just crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can kind of say, wait a minute, wait a minute you know. Um, and so what that allowed me to do um, was to really just have an open dialogue with myself. And then when I would talk to my therapist later on, I would let her know and read a lot of my writings. And it helped me because your notebook or your, your saved computer file is non-judgmental. You can write to your heart's content. And oftentimes it was things that I couldn't or didn't feel comfortable saying to anyone else verbally, but I knew they had to come out. And so mm-hmm. in the flow of writing, I think I'd spend 10 minutes and I'd look up and an hour would go by. But what was on the page were things that were eating me on the inside. And so by getting them out, I found that it gave my words a different kind of power. Some, I gave the power to simply be in the air and get rid of them, to say this is foolishness. Others gave me, you know, fuel to move and push myself forward. Um, Now, again, me personally, because writing was a hobby, I decided to publish a lot of my writings. And what I found, especially in the first two years of my journey, is that there weren't a lot of um, young um, African-American widows who were openly writing about anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was 34 when my husband was, 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 you know, taken. And um, most people didn't know any widows as young as me. Um, They knew a few military widows, but usually not as young as me. And no one was talking about it, you know. And so... I felt isolated, and I felt like, you know, people would, you know, give me the platitudes but not really know what to say, how to treat me, what to do. And I'd look at them like, I don't know either. (laughs) You know, this is new for me, Um, but I could just be myself. And so oftentimes I would publish, you know, my writings, and I would get more comments and discussions and emails, you know, from across the world, people saying, oh, my goodness, you know, this feels like I could have written it, but I'm too scared. You know, I've forwarded this to my minister. I've sent this to my sister. I don't know what to do, um, but I'm going to give this to my son's teacher, all because, you know, your story is your story, but it can always touch someone else. So, um, you know, to summarize and just say one more time, you know, you are the only one that can tell your story. And as we, as all widows move through the journey, you know, from new widows to many of us who've been widowed for many years to come, you know, each changing day sort of brings the newness of our journey uh, into a different light. Um, and you can be walking along doing just wonderful, 
and, you know, have something feel like a sucker punch and you feel like you're back to step one. You're not truly back to step one, but it can feel like it at times. And oftentimes writing and journaling does is it helps you sort of keep an even even footing under yourself um, by allowing you to write it down, get it out, and help touch someone else with your story. so I, I, I encourage and advocate everyone to do that. Um, if anyone would like to reach out to me, I'm on all social media platforms. Um, I, I do take, uh, you know, emails, and I'll respond to any, you know, inquiries, questions for support, guidance, uh, encouragement, uh, anything of the sort um, to anyone in the entire widow and non-widow community. All right. Well, thank you, Taya. I appreciate it. And everyone, remember, we all have a writer within us. So start writing today. And one important takeaway from from Taya's segment, after loss, it is possible to thrive, not just survive. So thank you once again, Taya. I appreciate it. Next up we have, yes, yes. uh, Amazing. Courtney, are you on the call? Courtney and Fulton Smith? All right. What about Nicole? Nicole, are you on? Hi, I'm here. Hi, Nicole. Everyone, uh, please help me welcome Nicole. Uh, She is representing Heather Leathers, who had an emergency in regards to her organization, Global Fund for Widows. So uh, Nicole is representing Heather and Global Fund for Widows. Uh, Basically, trains and finances widows and female heads of households in Egypt. Bolivia, the Dominican Republic, and India in the building of sustainable microenterprises. So Global Fund for Widows programs focus on the development of interdependent value chains, which dramatically improve the economic viability of these uh, microenterprises while also providing valuable visibility and stability of their income streams. So Global Fund for Widows has also enabled more than uh, 6,500 widows to achieve self-reliance and economic empowerment. And so thus, uh, Nicole is on here. She will be discussing um, economic empowerment as it relates to widows abroad. So thank you and welcome, welcome, welcome. I do appreciate um, you being here today. Thank you so much. Um, so here at Global Fund for Widows, we're focused on the development, well-being, and empowerment of widows all over the globe. However, we related to the voice of Sabra Robinson here at home when in our first meeting she described feeling ostracized when dealing with the logistics of her husband's death. On a trip to the Social Security office, Sabra was met with little, if any, empathy and comfort from emotionalist officers and lawyers whose help she sought. In this office, Saber was pushed aside, her voice was made irrelevant, and the poor treatment made her feel scared, confused, and out of place. Saber's experience of feeling marginalized resonated deeply with us. You see, it reminded us us of a widow in Malawi who refused to go to the government office to collect her husband's death certificate because government offices were a place where, in her words, people wear shoes. I don't wear shoes. There is no place for me to stand. What could Sabra and this young widow in Malawi have in common when they're seemingly worlds apart, separated by 8,000 miles and an ocean. Along with 300 plus million other widows around the world, they both experienced a loss of place and voice in a society when they became widows. 
The creation and of empowerment for widows around the world to fight for their place and voice in society is the essence of our mission here at Global Fund for Widows. We have been incessantly voicing our belief that the widow's lack of attainment and enjoyment of human rights condemns a widow and her children to a life trapped in a vicious cycle of violence and poverty. We maintain that there is a direct link between widows and poverty, and through our interventions, we have shown that the economic empowerment of widows can be life-changing. Not only is it the key to achieving human rights, but also achieving the UN's sustainable development goals and changing the lives of the women who have been so impacted. Consider the event of widowhood as the source of the problem. The event of widowhood occurs when a woman's husband dies, is killed, becomes permanently missing due to social, political, religious unrest, or simply abandons her. Immediately, the widow loses all household income. When a widow is unable to inherit her rightful estate, this critical violation of human rights is invariably due to either one of four things. Asymmetrical inheritance laws favoring the in-law family, which often take away vital resources, including land. Social and or cultural barriers, intervention, and threats of her husband's next of kin, including traditional practices in which the widow is subjected to cleansing or physical violence lack of access to justice and resources delivering justice, or due to a lack of knowledge about her government entitlements and rights. In continuation of the human rights violation against her, she is subjected to various forms of discrimination and violence. She is evicted from her marital home and rendered shelterless. She is subjected to harmful traditional practices, which include degrading and life-threatening mourning and burial rights, such as forced sex with strangers to purge herself of the sin of her husband's death. At times, she becomes part of her husband's estate and is inherited as Chateau through forced marriage to her husband's next of kin. She is subjected to extreme restrictions on mobility, diet, dress, and freedom of association, losing her rightful place and voice in her society. In instances of widows as refugees, migrants, or internally or internationally displaced by acts of terror, war, or natural disaster, the widow's most basic human rights her very own nationality is revoked or unrecognized, as is her ability to transfer nationality to her children. Without an identity, her ability to access her rights under state or host country law is almost totally impaired. In all instances, she is subjected to economic violence. She is unlikely to have any marketable skills, is up against numerous cultural barriers, and is facing the need to care for young children as the sole provider in and out of the home. These are only a few reasons why the widow is denied any economic opportunity and faces no prospects of work, let alone safe or dignified work. Without income, the widow may no longer be able to educate her children, condemning them to an impoverished life at best, but more likely to a life wrought of crime and vulnerability to indoctrination of radicalized beliefs. A recent study found that one-third of radicalized men in Africa came from widowed families. Widows are also often forced to marry their young daughters as child brides for their quote-unquote safety. In the worst cases, widows are forced to sell their children into the vicious underworld of human trafficking. These forgotten children become the lost generation with no hope and no opportunity. As a result, the vicious cycle of violence and poverty ensues. Global Fund for Widows strongly believes that offering widows economic opportunity is critical in preventing this vicious cycle of poverty from beginning at all. We proved this in our own global interventions. We collected information from widows about about what they themselves 
needed to live sustained lives. We then train them in a chosen skill, financial literacy, and social entitlement and rights awareness. Then we offered them access to capital either through microloans or micro-social capital mechanisms, allowing them to launch their own small businesses, retain their agency in their work, support their families, and become economically empowered. Thus far, we have empowered over 10,000 widows in five countries with three more in the works. To see why economic empowerment is important, let's look to the Egypt, Egypt example. In Egypt, 36% of women are widowed or female heads of households living at or under the poverty line, and 53% of them are under the age of 39. If lucky, they are collecting some sort of pension from the government along with some basic food staples that amount to about $1.20 per day for an average family size of three or more. We spent 2015 and 2016 surveying these widows before our programming and then after. The empirical evidence is clear. Here are some of what the widows' reports were before our programming. Most widows claim they were prevented from inheriting their husband's property even after the protections of the law. Widows felt that they could not move freely without the threat of violence. Some had not left their home in over a year. Widows felt that they had no voice. Their thoughts, beliefs, and needs were rendered null and void without the presence of a man to endorse them. Widows were impoverished, could not access food or health care, could not send their children to school, and had no hope because they had no prospect for work. And the claim that strikes me most, widows claimed, when my husband died, I died. It is time to end these human rights abuses and engage and integrate these widows into our communities and economies. In our post-intervention polling, we proved that economic empowerment of widows not only improved their human rights status, but it is key to achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. 78% of widows in the program achieved an increase in their household income. The average income, income increase was 48%. SDG 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 8 achieved. 75% of widows were able to establish savings from the project, SDG 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 8 achieved. 95% of widows who participated in the ML project say they feel financially independent, SDG 1, 5, and 8 achieved. 94% of widows claim that they established a better social status within their family as a result of income generated by the ML project, SDG 11 achieved. As the widow's income increased, her exposure to domestic violence decreased, SDG 5 achieved. 93% of widows felt confident to claim their legal rights, SDG 10 achieved. Clearly, economically empowering widows is our solution to the sustainable development and is key to reducing violence and ensuring widows access to human rights. Providing access to economic empowerment tools and resources and connecting and establishing a network of widows in their communities are just a few of the things we do here at Global Fund for Widows that bring widows up to their rightfully respected place in society as widows' rights, our women's rights, our human rights. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. That was, oh, wow. That was a mouthful, but yet it was, it needed to be relayed. And I appreciate you uh, coming on here and giving us you know, uh, telling us a little bit about the economic empowerment um, that you all provide for widows abroad. So um, everything that you have said definitely um, 
will be remembered. Um, I'm glad I have this podcast for you to come on and share this information. And I know it's a bit different than the widows, you know, what we face here in America. Um, I wanted to bring you all on the call so that others will know what's going on, you know, widows abroad over in, in, Af in Africa and in Egypt, Bolivia. So thank you so much for your work that you're doing. Tell Heather, Heather, hello. And, um, I just really appreciate you too, and, and thank you for, your, for the opportunity of allowing me to have you on the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you, and I will be in touch soon, so thank you once again. You're very welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are now in our Sister to Sister Empowerment segment with our very own support group members, uh, Rhonda Butler Chris, and Crystal Pruitt. And Ms. James, uh, Rhonda, are you on the call? All right, Rhonda, let me briefly introduce Rhonda. She's not new to the Black Women Widows Empowered um, Organization. She's a widow of three years. Rhonda is also one of our book contributors to Widowed But Not Wounded, The Hustle and Flow of 13 Black Widowed Women. She's also very active member in our sister support group, uh, Black Women Widows Empowered Christian Inspiration. She's also a former pastor's wife, and Rhonda has been described as one with great inner strength with, uh, who possesses a heart for women, either leading them to a closer relationship with God or just simply encouraging them uh, in their day-to-day -day living. So again, Rhonda, she did write a chapter in our book compilation, and, uh, which was chapter seven, called A Pastor's Wife's Bitterness of Black Tea. Rhonda, you have the floor. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sabra. Good evening to everyone. I should say good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon. Yes, thank you again. I have, once again. Every, I have enjoyed everything thus far. It has been wonderful. Awesome, awesome. I'm so glad you're able to join us today. Um, so I'm just going to give you the floor so you can just talk about in, you know, we're in our... Um, sister-to-sister empowerment uh, segment from the women from our support group. I wanted to provide a time where, um, you know, we can share. We have phone calls, you know, monthly, but I wanted to also provide an opportunity here on this special podcast, you know, to encourage and, inspire, and empower and inspire those those widows, especially that um, are a part of Black Women Widows Empowered. So, thank you again so much for joining. Thank you. Well, as you said, Sabra, I am a former pastor's wife, former first lady, as some now receive me at the church. I do still minister at the church. My husband last pastored Calvary Baptist of Fulton. Uh, I am still a very active member there, and the Lord has just really opened up ministry for me in so many ways. And I just want to start to say, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 27. And, you know, you may not read the whole thing, but sometimes I can only say the Lord is. I can't say the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my life. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Sometimes I can't get past the Lord is. And that's all. And so I just want to say my test, my, my word of encouragement to you today, ladies, is that your walk of widowhood is your testimony. It is your I made it. And I mm -hmm. say that yeah. 
based on, and I have no right to this song, but one of, you t- in the book we talked about the hustle and flow, Shaber, you know. And yes. one of my flows through these last three years has been music. My husband was a music man. He played three or four different instruments. He sang. I mean, he was an all-around pastor preacher. You, could, you know, folks love to come here and pass the boat, you know. But even in our dating age, he was a musician. And so I have found that music has been a wonderful flow for me in these next last three years. And one of the songs that just really touched my heart, as I said, I have no rights to it, is by Bishop Mar- uh, Marvin Sapp. And it's words simply say, so glad I made it. I made it through. In spite of the storm and the rain, the heartache and the pain, I'm still alive, declaring you. I made it through because, you see, I didn't lose. I experienced mm-hmm. loss at a major cost, but I never lost faith in you and that you being I never lost my faith in God. And that is my encouragement to widows. <clears throat> I don't know. You know, I was, I was chastened by one widow group because, you know, I, have, I, get on, I, can, I, I get on my throne sometimes to preach, you know, and I was <laughs> calling myself giving encouragement, and the admin talked to me and said, uh, you can't do that. We don't need you to preach. And I'm like, I thought I was just being encouraging. So I'm trying to hold back because I don't want to offend anybody, praise the Lord. But that is how my flow is in the Lord. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to say, life is a ball game. I don't know if you've heard those before. Being played each day. Life yeah. is a ball game. Each and everybody must play. So, you know, I, I had to play. But then I also, in my years of been a pastor's wife, I received a plaque one day, and it simply said, life is a journey. Enjoy it. So I began to do just that, enjoy my life. I enjoyed being married. I enjoyed being a mother. I enjoyed, I enjoyed life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, bam, grief came to the door. So I had to have a real heart-to-heart with the Lord. And I really was, really, Lord? Really? Really me? But I want to tell you that he took that really, and he turned my really into a rally of resilience. Oh, wow. And that wow. came through, through, through the opportunity that was given by Black Women, Widows, Empowerment, and Sabra to become a co-author of Widows But Not Wounded. And I encourage you, if you haven't read the book, please get the book. If you download it and want to read it from computer, do that. But there are 13 different stories, but each story is unique and different in its own way. We all have a story. We all have a testimony. So my latest testimony starts to build from there and continues to build. And I want to know, as the first former first lady, one of the first questions I received from some members was that, because I was reading the new past and first lady, and some other, someone else said first lady took the bubble, and I turned around and greeted them normally. So someone else comes up and says, you're not the first lady anymore. You need to go sit down. So I had to like, exhale for a minute because who better than me knows that I'm no longer the first lady. Who no longer no better than me knows that I'm no longer the pastor's wife. I know that. I'm trying to find my way. I want to say, but God told me just leave it alone because you know what? The life you live is the best testimony you can give. So I went on and I made but to make my testimony through resilience. So I just want you to know, widows, that 
Your made it is just that. It's yours. How you make it is just yours. No, we're not all going to do it the same as you've heard everyone talk about. We all yeah. come through this journey differently. So one thing that was said that I do want to say again because God gave it to me, that you are wonderfully and fearfully made for the journey. Remember that. You are made for this journey. My made it many days, past, present, and future, has been just, I've been able to wake up and get up. Then I was able to get out the door run errands. Once I was able to do that, I came back. Okay. Then after that, I thought, okay, I'm getting along. I'm going to work. I'm doing. I'm moving. And then guess what? Two years after my husband died, I was released from my job due to blood mm. But you know mm. what I said? Sorry. But God. Yeah. Because he took that, that time of season and he blessed me with my early retirement with all of my benefits. And so, you know what? Yes, my money got a little lighter. That's nothing new. I'm still blessed. I'm still blessed. That is my mate. You mm. see, my husband, he was, I thank God that he thanked me before closing his eyes that night. And he said to me, you have taken good care of me. Then he said, when I'm gone, I want you to enjoy life. So I make it an effort every day to carry the ministry and legacy of my husband, Pastor, to continue on, whether it's a day that I choose to go ziplining or I'm just taking my health walk. Now, you know, we've been talking about health today. Well, I've been yeah, going to the gym. Yeah. I've been taking my health walks around the lake and whatnot. And that has been wonderful to me. And then this, I, I want to say this, God has such a sense of humor with his children. Yes, he because does. Now, yes. The former first lady was asked to chair the second anniversary of our new pastor and first, and first lady. Mm. When the question, when an opportunity, I said, God, really? And the pastor said, yes, who better than you? And I said, yes, who better than a former first lady knows how to celebrate the leadership in that area? Amen? All right. So, Amen. Thank you so I'm much. I'm working on that. You all pray with me for that because, you know, I have a tendency if you want to be grand and I can hear my husband's voice. Okay, pull it back. Pull it back. Everybody ain't going to Bring it back. <laughs> well, as always, you know, thank you for that in- inspiring story. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you, you know, I'm glad that you are a part of uh, our group. And um, I'm sorry that that happened to you. But, you know, I do realize that, um, you know, not just to be fair, that, um, other, you know, groups do have rules, and you just have to find oh, yes. the group yes. that you can mesh with, you know? That's why I share so, that. You have to find the group that you can connect with, exactly. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, thank you so no much for that. In that. There's no failure in that, yeah. You know? Well, thank you yeah, so whatever much. Whatever your mate it is, that's my word, whatever your mate it is, that's your mate it, and you work it, and God gives it to you. All, All right. right. Thank, thank you, you for that takeaway. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, next up, we have Crystal Pruitt. Crystal, are you on the call? Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you. Um, just a brief uh, background history on Crystal. She, she also is a uh, part of the uh, support group for Black Women Widows Empowered. She's a graduate of Western Kentucky University and University of Louisville, She's a former teacher for Jefferson County Public Schools. She's a mother of three, and unfortunately, she became a widow at the age of 47. 
And so for the last four years, she has been empowering widows and widowers. She's also an administrator for another popular widow group, online widow group on Facebook. And she's an active member of our group affiliate, rather, our secret group, rather. It's called Black Love, Black Stories, and Black Widows. And Crystal says she tries to live each day full of purpose, prayers, positivity, and passion. So, Crystal, what empowerment nuggets do you have for us today, especially for the support group of Black Women Widows and Powers? Okay. First, I would like to thank you so much, Sabre, for this opportunity to get to just listen and learn and embrace um, all the speakers who have spoke uh, prior to me. My soul is just on fire. I have enjoyed and learned so much. I am so grateful to you for this opportunity. Um, yes, I was 47 when I lost my husband. He um, was en route to dialysis, and he had a heart attack. He went into cardiac arrest while on the machine. And on that particular day was the day I didn't get to tell him goodbye. So mm. that was double trauma, not just losing him, but the fact that I didn't even get to say goodbye. Um, your previous speakers have talked about um, the trauma and and how devastated you feel. And being an only child, um, you know, no siblings, um, no real source of outreach, I was devastated. Mm. Um, I, I had to find my way, and it was tough. It was tough. You feel yeah. alone. You feel isolated. You feel that no one understands you. People say all kinds of things to you about get over it and and God had something better. And, you know, the list just goes on and on and on. But you have to find your inner strength. And what happened with me, I actually... Did I uh, went to counseling? We did group counseling. One you know, of my kids and I, I did uh, family counseling, group counseling, and individual counseling. And in my individual counseling, I started to journal and started, you know, to write, put my thoughts, my feelings, my anger, my sadness, my happiness, all of my grief into writing. And I didn't know which group, you know, where else to find su- support. And so I had just typed in on Facebook grief. And I found two uh, widow support groups and Mm. I joined and I read and I remember the day that I got my first smile back and I felt guilty for smiling because I had been so hurt, you know, and, and so alone and so isolated that day that I got my smile, I thought I was losing my mind. And then I thought, am I wrong? Am I supposed to smile? I'm not forgetting my husband, but this was something that made me smile. And mm. from that moment on, I just, it, it's like it clicked like clockwork. I, I started uh, responding back to what other widows were saying, and I felt something on the inside. Have you ever just felt that, that, that drive, that burning sensation where you've got to say something because you feel like what you say matters? Your story does matter. And I started to um, leave comments. And the next thing I know, to make a long story short, um, I started putting it on my personal page, just different things about my own journey walk. And um, colleagues that work with me, people that have known me for years, were sending me personal messages and saying, oh, Crystal, what you wrote really touched my heart. You know, I thank you for that. No, I'm not a widow, but I understand how you feel. You know, um, mm-hmm. and then I, I just stepped out 
I just took a leap of faith. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just start making posts. And so that's what I started to do. And I started to feel uh, empowered and that I was inspiring others because of the feedback that I received. And that sense of that inner feeling of peace that I felt within myself, I always prayed over what I wanted to say before I ever put it, you know, before I would ever even write it, more or less hit the send button. Mm-hmm. And it it helped. It helped me. It helped my children. Um, and I've helped others. I have reached people across the globe. I've met friends virtually that I some I know I will never meet, you know. But the bottom line is I found my inner strength by reaching out to others. Instead of dwelling on my story and having pity party after pity party and, and grieving, I had to get up. I've got three children. I have two in college and an 11-year-old and a dog. I can't sit here and, and do nothing. Life is going to pass me by, and my children will have my house upside down. So mommy had to get up and get busy. And what you don't know is that when I lost my husband, prior to losing him, I lost my teaching position because I was taking care of my husband. So I had a double whammy, lots of trauma and, yeah. and no, you know, very little support. But God is good. God is able. I found strength in writing and empowering other women and men. I've made friends. Uh, we've met for lunch. We talk. We message, you know, every other day or once a week. We check in on each other, That's you know, good. and we laugh. We yeah. find, you know, you find laughter. I I love the fall. Even though my husband died in September, I remember just sitting in the back, right beside our home, because we have a half an acre and there's just lots of trees. And I love just sitting out there and looking at the trees and, and just connecting with nature and how good God is and how he, he didn't leave me or forsake me, you know? We yeah. all have that inner gift. We all have that inner drive, but we have to tap into it and find your purpose. And my purpose, with all that I've been dealt, is to inspire, encourage, and educate others yeah. by telling my story and being a good listener to others. And that makes a difference, we, listeners. We, yeah. We have to be a good listener. Sometimes... Your words are not necessary. Sometimes I just have to sit there and listen. You know, since I've become a widow, I have had friends that are now on this journey. But we all have our own avenues on our journey. So I can't tell anyone, you know, what they need to do because their story is their story just as mine is mine. Yeah. But, you know... I, I tried to greet each day. Well, I do greet each day with thanking God for sparing me to see another day. But I try to address and live to the fullest, you know, and I yeah. try to encourage and I live with passion and praise and purpose to keep me on my straight and narrow. And yes, right. I fall off. We all do. But we fall down. But brothers and sisters, we've got to get back up. We and have to get key. back We've up. We've got to get back up. We've got to get you back up. You have to. We you have to get stay. back up and keep moving forward. No, you can't down. stay there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when, when when you first step into this, this journey, you know, a lot of us, as you've read, uh, people 
get addicted to drugs, they get addicted to sex, or, you know, whatever it is to, to numb that feeling, you know, because you're hurt so bad. But I just, what I found, two ladies embraced me immediately when I stepped into that those two widow groups, and they embraced me, and that's where I found my laughter. And I thought, you know what? I think I just might be okay. All right. You know, um, yeah. but then, you know, you feel okay today. <laughs> Later on today, you feel horrible. You know, it, it's that grief wave. It will get you, you know, yeah. but you have to be encouraged and and can try your best to move forward. You know, like I said, you yeah. fall down, but you get back up and find that inner drive and just keep moving forward. Keep your and goal we, of what your yeah. purpose in life is and go for it. And, and I, again, you know, thank you so much for letting me jump in and, and be able to share a little light on my story. You are absolutely welcome. And, and you mentioned a key, key item. You know, we have to listen to understand. And I want to mm-hmm. add to that, you know, listen to understand and not listen to respond, you know. So that right. definitely is key. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we are nearing the hour. Um, it's 2.52. We have one more um, speaker. Danielle James, are you on the call? Yes, I am. Can you All hear right. me? Yes, thank you for joining in a brief background on Danielle. Uh, Danielle, Danielle grew up in uh, Alabama. Uh, she became a widow at the age of 32, and she was only married for only five short years uh, to her late husband, Marcus James Sr. Uh, she is the mother of their two beautiful, intelligent children, Marcus James Jr. and Gia James. And she's also one of our book contributors to Widow But Not Wounded, the hustle and flow of 13 uh, resilient Black widowed women. And um, she wrote the chapter, which is chapter two of the book, The Life of the Paparazzi Party. So I hand the mic over to you, Danielle. <laughs> yes, it, um, I I'm so excited to be on this podcast. I I just admire all of you women. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, this your group, your vision, this entire sisterhood has been amazing. It's helped me in more ways than you can ever know. Um, like you said, I did start this journey. I started this journey five years ago. My husband died in a car accident um, when I was 32 years old. It was uh, myself, our at the time, two-year-old daughter and eight-year-old son. And so we were all in the vehicle at the time of the accident. And like Crystal, I, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye because they, you know, took him to the hospital. And um, he died 45 minutes later without me being able to go to the back. So I have now a now a 13 year old and a seven year old. So I can't be stuck. I mean, I was stuck for a couple of years. I was that first two years, I was numb, but I still had to put on because they felt my energy. So I do. If it wasn't for God and my two children, I don't know. You know, if I could have be as strong as Danielle, you're so strong. How how could you do it? I don't see God, Marcus, and Gia. Them the only three people that I can tell you how I, I make it every day. And then when the opportunity with this paparazzi jewelry came along three years ago, that was my therapy. Like I love to yeah. take selfies. I'm like a selfie queen. So 
just wearing five dollar jewelry and sharing it and get paid for it. Hey, I was all for it. So like, you know, every time I, I try to cry or, or something, I had so many tragedies after my husband has passed. One of my closest friends passed yeah. in a, a car accident just like he did. And then mm. his father, my father in law passed suddenly last year. My cousin was murdered by the police two years ago. And then just on the day after the 4th of July, my aunt, who survived breast cancer, just dropped dead at work. Oh my and God. my mom hasn't lost a sister in 34 years. So now I'm trying to get my the oldest sister home from Birmingham, Alabama, driving up there without my mom even knowing because she would have had a fit. <laughs> but I got her home because she's a, she's a 74-year-old. She's the oldest. So I had to bring her home. And I just got a text that, that made me cry yesterday because both of one of my aunts were from Colorado, the other from Virginia, and they came home because the one that passed was from Virginia. So they blew her, blew her body home for the military honors. So when my Aunt Mary went back home, I just have to read you guys this text that she sent me. And she said, because they called me Nikki, hey, Nikki, your support, promptness, and organizational skills are so impressive. Doris, which is my mom, always told me that you are the backbone of helping her to manage her life so successfully. She's right. Thanks so much for taking my cause and keeping me in the lines of communication. What I will remember the most is your country smile, kindness, and laughter. And that just did something to my soul. And just to know that I can help, I get messages all the time because I have the um, a, uh, just a Facebook page, Life is Not Forever, but Love Certainly Is. I have that on my Facebook. And one or two, if, if it's just one person that tells me my post made their day, then I'm exactly. doing something. And I, I know my why when I started paparazzi was to open a center for widows and widowers with children because I was only 32. And yes, I had my family support. I still have their support, but I need, I want to be able to help the, the mom or the dad that has to pay rent or, you know, need counseling service and Medicaid won't take this particular, you know, therapist. I want to be able to do that. The money I make from paparazzi, I want to help somebody with that. So that's, that's Absolutely. <laughs> and you are helping, you are helping more ways than, than, than one, you know, your inspirational uh, posts and your good morning posts and your smile and your uh, many thousand selfies. Girl, go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> and look, you know, I, and now I have a seven-year-old daughter doing it. She got to get back on her life. <laughs> I see, I see, I see. Oh, wow. Thank you for your uh, bit of empowerment um, tidbit for this sister to sister empowerment segment for the Black Women Widows um, Empowerment Group. Um, thank you so much. It's 2.57. Is there anything that anyone would like to say? Um, any last words um, before, you know, I give my little empowerment tidbit? No, go for it. We're waiting on you. <laughs> well, it's, you know, we have two minutes left. And my only thing is, you know, it's that time. Here, unfortunately, that, you know, we have to, things do come to an end. So this podcast is, you know, unfortunately has to come to an end. Um, I think our experience, this podcast experience, um, you know, included a wealth of various uh, information 
And I just want to, um, you know, give kudos to everyone. I will forever be thankful to, to the speakers and to the listeners. And so, you know, one thing I do want to say is you were put on this earth to achieve your greatest self, to live out your purpose and to do it courageously. So surround yourself with people who empower you to become better, you know, not bitter. Be who you are and say what you feel uh, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter, they don't mind. Black Women Widows Empowered is signing off. And uh, I wish you well on your day today and on your journey. And God bless each and every one of you. Take care, everyone. And thank you once again. Sometimes deer like to jaywalk, or a basketball forgets to look both ways before bouncing across the street. Will your tires make every stop? Compare wet braking distance at michelinman.com slash long-lasting performance.